Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, can I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Man, does this smell good. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it's time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron? So the Phoenix Suns beat the Lakers yesterday, 123-113, as they scored a season-high 45 points in the first quarter. So, Kevin Durant, what led to the win? Here he was after the game. They tried to live with something against us and giving up open threes and layups and paying attempts because they want to stop us so bad when Brad's not out there. Um, guys came through and knocked down shots. And I think we got it like the, the Dallas game, Houston game. Um, we didn't do a good job of exploiting that and, 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 and getting other guys shots, specifically myself. Um, so we got to be better at that moving forward, especially with Brad not being there. And you know, I think that's only going to be good for our team. Guys got to step up and do more and you know uh, have a different role some nights. That's only going to make us better. What do you think was the key to the Suns' win yesterday against Lakers that you didn't see against the Rockets and the Mavericks? I, I think a lot of it is that it's the it's the other guys stepping up. You know, we had the cut from Vince Carter last week about how much of a difference Bradley Beal makes in the second half of these games because teams spend halftime trying to figure out how to slow down KD and or Booker, and then Beal just runs free, right? So when he's out, if nobody else steps up. It, it still shouldn't just be the end of the story for the Suns, but if you're focusing everything you have on Durant and Booker, as you kind of have to, Grayson Allen's going to go off, or Royce O'Neal, or Yusuf Nurkic, or whoever, then the Suns are still going to be tough to beat. Yeah, you know, for me, um, they need the kind of physicality Big Nurk gave them yesterday. Man, I, I realize it was Anthony Davis. I realize that... You know, they had a big out there, a true big, the Lakers on the floor. But, man, Big Nurk and what he did was awesome to watch him play. The physicality and the toughness down low was palpable. I think Royce O'Neal, again, needs to be that true 3D guy. Grayson Allen, they got to get him more involved early in games. They got to have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant protect the ball and share the ball the way that they did. Did an excellent job of that yesterday. Come together and continue to build on this. It was the first weekend of spring training games for the D-backs, so who will be the D-backs' fifth starter? Here's MLB.com D-backs reporter Steve Gilbert when he joined you guys earlier today. I think, you know, Bryce Jarvis, you know, is, is, is in camp, and, and he's going to get a look, and, and so will Blake Walston. Um, but I think, you know, probably Tommy Henry and Ryan Nelson came in as, as the front runners and Blake Coney had a nice outing yesterday. And again, that's going to be a good quote unquote problem to have because, you know, you never get through a season with just five starters. And last year, uh, the Diamondbacks found out the hard way late in the, in the postseason that it, that you need as many starters as possible. So, you know, whichever starters don't make the, uh, the rotation, if they, if they end up in AAA, I think that gives them some good depth. Um, because, like I said, every team's going to need that depth throughout the course of a long season. So our Sanderson Ford Poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, who will win the Diamondbacks' number 5 starter job? Tommy Henry, Ryan Nelson, Slade Ciccone, or other? Well, my, my instinct is to vote for Henry because he's a lefty, 
right? And they don't really have any right. other lefties other than right. Rodriguez in the rotation. But I remember when we talked to Mike Hazen after they signed Rodriguez, he was like, yeah, that's not really... That doesn't mean as much to me as you might think, right? He was talking about how, you know, as long as you can win the matchups with the other NL West teams, he doesn't care as much about that. You know what? I'll go Ryan Nelson. Give me Ryan Nelson. (laughs) Okay. I'm going Tommy Henry. For what reason? I I think um, he is a lefty, and I think that although it may not matter to Mike Hazen, I think it would to Tori Lovello. Alrighty, so well played. That's a good answer. For the first time in Wolf and Down Your Lunch history, I think Wolf was right and I was wrong. Forty-five <laughs> percent agree with Wolf. They say Tommy Henry. Thirty percent Ryan Nelson. Nineteen percent Slade Sacconi, and then six percent other. How long do you think it'll be until we know who the fifth starter is? Do you think it will take all of spring? Yeah. Um, well, they've all all three of those guys have pitched two innings so far, and none of them have given up a run. I would guess, I would say a week left in spring. I think we'll have a pretty strong answer. Yeah, boy, that is a great question, Mel. Honestly. Um, How long are they going to have to prove it for? Well, yeah, I, I Their I entire know. lives, actually. But see, Every day? here's the yes. one thing about it. Um, <laughs> they went to the World Series last year, Ron Wolfley reporting. They are the National League champion. Base and audience. They make the rules? Is that what you're saying? Um, they can have seven no, starters? No, I, I think honestly, right now, you need competition. You want that. You you want positions to be up for grab. Positions like your fifth outfielder, <laughs> your your backup infielder, your 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 fifth starter in the rotation. You want battles and position battles. I would I would remind everybody that you are competing and you're competing at the highest level our species can generate and jobs are on the line. I don't think that's ever a bad thing to remind everybody. It is. It is. Keep it open. Really like a bougie problem when you put it that way. It is. Worthington, fetch me a sixth outfielder. (laughs) I don't like the first five today. (laughs) That's good, man. You haven't done that before. You got to do more of that, Luke. Maloney's Playbook for Wolf. Bougie. A term used to describe people, things, and places that are definitely high class. <laughs> Just making sure you got that wolf. Okay, son of a truck driver, based on our names. And then the NFL Combine gets underway in Indianapolis today. And according to reports, Marvin Harrison Jr. won't be doing anything on the field at the Combine. He will be meeting with teams, though, in Indy this week. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of where we are the system sort of I don't love it but that's I understand why he's doing it because the system now has kind of put you in a position where if you just go out there and compete in the combine you may drop in the drafts and that could cost you millions of dollars and the combine is kind of stupid in that sense yeah um I understand the logic as well um I understand the logic why players don't want to play in bowl games that isn't for the national championship. That bothers me more. Uh, no, though, I'm just saying. I, I totally understand why they don't want to do it. But man, a dude who does do it tells me so much about that guy. Tells me so much about that guy. And I feel the same way in regard to the combine. Tells me so much about a kid who's going to go high in the draft. He's like, you know, I don't care. I know it's logically it's not smart to do it. It isn't. What if you rupture your Achilles? Yeah, what if? Are you gonna play are you gonna live your life based on what if? 
I think it's more, I don't even, it's funny you bring up the injury part. I didn't even think of the injury aspect. I just think it's more Marvin Harrison, if he doesn't do anything, is the first receiver off the board. If he goes to the combine, maybe he has a slow 40 time because he just has a bad day or whatever. Or Malik Neighbors, you know, it's one thing Malik Neighbors runs a 4 3 5 or something, and we don't know what Marvin Harrison's going to run. Hey, but you if know what? Marvin Harrison runs a 4 4 5, all of a sudden somebody's dropping him down boards. You know what, Marvin Harrison Jr.? Don't run a slow 40 time. Compete. Don't be afraid. Go compete. Watch the tape. You want to see me play football? Watch the tape. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, NASCAR returns to Phoenix Raceway March 9th through the 11th for the Shriners Children's 500. Get ready for a thrilling experience as NASCAR heads west. Drivers like Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott are going to take on the Desert Jewel. For your chance to experience this, head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com and you'll have a chance to win tickets. When we come back, back to basketball. Was Big Nurk the reason the Suns beat the Lakers yesterday? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's Bernsey after a rough loss to the Mavs last week where the Suns able to bounce back against Dylan the Villain and the King. It's the Burns and Gambo Show, and it starts at straight up 2 o'clock. Seize everything you ever wanted. One moment. Did you capture it? Just let it slip. Yo. Well, Wolf, look at that game yesterday. It's fun for a few reasons. One, Suns beat the Lakers. Stop right there. That's really all we need. Full stop. Did you see the lines out, outside of uh, Footprint Center just waiting to get into that game beforehand? Like it was a playoff game. Yeah. Just because it's the Lakers. Yes. Um, I saw a lot of Laker jerseys, too. Just saying. Yeah. That's not, I, I feel like. It's pretty common now. Yeah, I feel like it's not as much of a problem for the Suns as the other teams in town, though. No, you no know? doubt. No. And maybe it's just because they've been here forever and that they were the first. That's team. why you notice it. Yeah, <laughs> because the Suns typically you don't you don't see you don't typically see other yeah. uniforms. Um, so they win that game. It's they end up what are they two and three against the Lakers this season? But remember, they started zero and three against the Lakers. Uh, they they won back on January 11th. That was kind of the game that maybe kick-started things into high gear. They won seven in a row after that. They ended up winning, what, 12 of 15 after that. Started going to a slump again coming out of the All-Star break, but they beat the Lakers yesterday 123-113. to 113. We talked about how Grace Allen stepped up and Royce O'Neal and... I tell you, Wolf, we've kind of we've we've we were waiting for this segment, I guess, to really dive into what Yusuf Nurkic did. But man, 18 points, 22 rebounds, seven offensive rebounds. He had more offensive rebounds than the Lakers did in the game. And the hidden stat from that game yesterday is the Suns dominated the glass against the team with Anthony Davis. Yeah. You know, um, man, where do you begin on this? How about this, Masonians? Big Nurk was the player of the game. To me, again, it's so subjective who you're going to point to and say, who was the player of the game? And no, it were, was him. It was him. Well, for me, it, yeah, just absolutely, and it's not even the numbers. It's not the fact he scored 18 points and had, what, 22 rebounds, seven assists. That was three assists away from a triple-double. Exactly, right. It, it wasn't even that. It was just watching him, the force, all I could think of was how many times we heard Monty Williams talking about play with force. Monty Williams. Play with force. 
play with force, right? I'm just saying. He must watch the Suns. Maybe he doesn't. But, you know, if Monty Williams is at home yesterday, day off, whatever, I don't know if the Pistons played, if they ever really play. If he was watching the Suns, he must just be like, man, <laughs> you couldn't have given me Yusuf Nurkic last year. <laughs> Like, seriously? Right. And, you know, once again, maybe it was because Big Nurk was, yeah, he was all over the floor. And maybe a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was Anthony Davis, a more traditional five that was out on the floor as well. And I don't know. Um, That, to me, seems like the matchup that the Suns need when they got Big Nurk out on the floor. A more traditional five, of course. And, man, just the force and the physicality was throwing around. It got me all jacked up watching him play. He was the player of the game. He really, I mean, for the season against the Lakers, he's played all five games. He's averaged under 10 points, 12 boards, about five, a little under five assists. Um, yesterday's game was just the reason that I would agree with you that he was the player of the game is that it just felt like everything either started or ended with him. And that's not by design on a team with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Right. But it just, he was everywhere. It felt like every single play he, he impacted it somehow. And they're not asking that of Yusuf Nurkic necessarily, but if he can give them that, like that, that's where this team pulls you back in. They have games where it's like, well, if Nurkic is going to play like that, they're going to win most of those games. Right. If if Royce O'Neal is going to hit six threes, they're probably going to win most of those games. Oh, if Bradley Beal can play and they have all, they're going to win some of those. It's like you see flashes of of a team that you feel confident could beat anybody except maybe like Denver, Boston, maybe Milwaukee in a best of seven series. And if Nurkic is going to play anywhere near the way he did yesterday. That changes things. Yeah, it got me all fired up. There were a couple of times, I will promise you right now, Anthony Davis is getting treatment on his sternum because Big Nurk, did you see there were a couple of, boom, right into him. I mean, the shoulder right into him, down underneath the basket, deep in the paint, and just bam, throwing that shoulder into Anthony Davis and putting the ball up and in. Man, there were a lot. He had a lot of bunnies around that it, glass. It looked like he saw Draymond Green's face on Anthony Davis's sternum. <laughs> that's what it looked like. <laughs> he was just that's, like taking it out on Anthony right Davis. That's good right there. But man, it was good to see. It was good to see. Now do it again. Here's, and again. Here's, and again. <laughs> and again, after Luke. the game. Do it again. Talking about getting to play a lot in the fourth quarter. Didn't play a lot of four quarters these couple of weeks. So I want to... <laughs> Couldn't get a cold, you know, with my ankle. So I said, Frank, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm not going to give you a reason to sub me out. <laughs> so, but give him credit. He trusted me, even in some sloppy turnovers. And, you know, you don't want to turn over, but, you know, my attention was good. So, but didn't cost us a win, which is great. Frank. <laughs> Just go up to your coach and call him Frank. Yeah. Hey, Frank. Man, I'm not coming so, out. I, I could never have done that. I don't think I could I have still, either. even to this day, I, I see a coach. I have a very difficult time calling him by his first name. Yeah. I, in fact, I can't. Do you see the pause right there? Yeah. By his first name. <laughs> um, It's coach. Hey, coach. How you doing? If it's any coach. so much regard and respect for the position. Or if, uh, does it just have to be a former coach of yours? Like if you no, saw Bruce Arians, would you no, call him? I, no, it's honestly like even my son's coaches. It's it's very difficult for me to call them by their first name. I could see that. You know, yeah. I, it's coach. Well, it's not difficult for Nurk. He walks up to Frank Vogel apparently and is like, hey, Frank, I'm staying in. 
Yeah, hey, Frank. I know. Hey, Frankie, what are you doing? <laughs> Here's uh, Devin Booker. A big part of why we won. I don't think we won a game without him this year in the four days miss. Um, so that speaks for itself. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis isn't an easy matchup, but, you know, to remain physical with him the whole time and, you know, continue to put bodies on him, you know, is a big part of why we won tonight. And you might have just gotten passed by Devin Booker as stat guy of the show. Wolf, you had your moment as stack guy. Book just pointed it out. They haven't won a game that Yusuf Nurkic has missed this season. He just said it right there. Well, winless. Winless yeah, without Nurk. Sorry about that. I was looking. For another stat? No, I was oh. looking up Anthony Davis right there. The fact he had 14 boards, two offensive rebounds. Uh-huh. Man, that's a nice job on AD. It's came to two offensive rebounds. Yeah. That is an excellent job by Nurk. How about the final numbers just as a team, the Suns out-rebounded the Lakers 51-34. to 34. And on the offensive glass, the Suns out-rebounded them 14-3. to 3. <laughs> Plus 11? Yeah. You take that all day long. How does that work into your intensity index? Yeah, the intensity index steals plus blocks plus, what did you say? Offensive rebounds, uh, yes. Yeah, it's your And then turnover. Well, oh. yeah, I, I, I changed it, though, oh. remember? Well, I don't know. I changed off, yeah, turnovers now. Oh. You have to also count plus-minus turnovers. Okay, well, they... So where are you? You brought it up. So I'm supposed me. to calculate that on the air? Yeah, well, they pretty had 15 much. steals. They were plus four steals and blocks. They were minus two turnovers. So what are they? Plus two. Plus two. And then the rebounding. So they were pl- uh, offensive rebounding. They were So they were plus 13 in plus, the game. Plus, look at, can I tell you right now, when you hit double digits and you're in the plus, man, you're not going to lose that game, but maybe 5% of the time. I, is, I don't think the BPI changes their formula. I think once they had their formula, they stuck with it. You know, Wolf over here like, well, now I want plus minus mixed in there if your initials are R-O. <laughs> uh, all right. After the first weekend of games for the Diamondbacks, where do you think the team will turn to for their fifth starter? We've seen probably the three main candidates already pitched this spring. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Vince Murata. Join us Tuesday morning. ASU Sun Devils coming off an upset win over ranked Washington State. We'll talk to the head coach, Bobby Hurley. Join us starting at 6 here on Arizona Sports. All right, well, D-backs pitching looked pretty good yesterday. They carry a no-hitter into the eighth inning of a spring training game. It's like watching Zach Gallen pitch in the World Series. Uh, we have seen three D-backs games so far. The fourth one, I don't know what the weather's like in Mesa right now, but the fourth one is supposed to uh, take place here shortly in Mesa. I would assume they're going to play it. Um, first pitch, 105. Tomorrow we'll be out there. First pitch, 110, Salt River Fields. D-backs, Rangers, Wolf. So we get to see the spring training version of last year's World Series. But what has been interesting through these first three games is – the battle for the number five spot in the rotation. You've got probably, it's probably going to come down to Ryan Nelson, uh, Slade Ciccone, and Tommy Henry. Ryan Nelson pitched two innings, started the first game, didn't give up any runs. Or Tommy Henry pitched the first game, two innings, didn't give up any runs. Then Ryan no. Nelson, two innings, didn't give up any runs. And now yesterday, Slade Ciccone, two innings, didn't give up any runs. Yes. So, so far, they're all running pretty even if you're just looking at pure stats through the first three games. You know, for me, once again, this is just me, Basinonians, but I, I'm wondering if, as a baseball purist, and you look at Tori Lovello as a baseball purist, just wondering if he'd like to have a little, a little balance in that rotation with three right-handers and two left-handed pitchers. And that to me 
would mean that you're looking at Tommy Henry as that left-handed pitcher. True. And that, I think, is a factor. I don't know if it's like the only thing, but it's probably a tiebreaker. You were saying before the show, though, too, why not just, uh, don't you like the idea of putting your youngest player out there of the group? I do like and that. And that's Slade Ciccone. I know. I, I do like that as well. And, you know, um, it's a situation where you got a guy that you'd like to bring along. You'd like to get him some real Major League Baseball experience, maybe, as that number five guy, that fifth starter in the rotation. And it seems like that would be a good place to bring a young pitcher along that you've got a lot of belief in in regard to this guy just needs some seasoning. He just needs the reps. He needs to get out there and throw the pitches. He needs to get his pitch count up and go out and experience some success. That's all he needs. To me, it seems like a great way to bring along a young guy that you have an expectation of. You're not going to bring along some young guy that you're really not sure because you got somebody who's better as a number five guy right now. You, you, you would have to look at a guy as a number five guy, in my opinion, if you were going to start him just because he was young. You would have to also believe that he's going to develop quickly. Yeah. yeah. That he's going to get better because all he needs is experience. Well, you know, the thing about this trio is they've all pitched in, you know, fairly big games last year. They're all obviously young pitchers. Uh, what Ryan Nelson's 26, Tommy Henry's 25, and uh, and Slade Ciccone's 24. So they're all still pretty young, but they also all pitched a little bit last year. So they have they have at least a little bit of experience just from last season. Um, I think a lot of it's just going to come down to what we see in this spring and, and not just it's not going to be as simple as, well, so and so had a slightly better ERA. So he gets the job uh, because you can make a case for Ryan Nelson too. like, OK, well, he's, you know, he started 27 games last year. So maybe you want to go with him because he's really got experience and, and you're trying to defend the National League sure. uh, championship. So uh, but Tommy Henry started 16 and Slate Ciccone started some some big ones at times last year as well. So, you know, they can't. um it's a good problem to have, as you said earlier. And it's interesting that they've all pitched through the first three games and they all have pitched pretty well through the first three games. Yeah, and for me, you know, again, you want that that balance. And it doesn't have to listen. You're not going to run a left-hand pitcher out there when you got a guy you think is better. <laughs> that you could run out there as your number five starter. Yeah. That's not going to happen. I think you said it best as a tiebreaker. That's the, that's what I would look at and say, you know what? Yeah, you know what? I'd like to have that second left-hander, that second left-hander in this rotation. I, I totally could see that. Here's Tori Lovello uh, talking about Ryan Nelson's start on Saturday. Nelly, I thought, was, was really good. Um, the velocity looked like it was spiking. And then... Um, he started to mix in a really quality secondary pitch with that, that slider. So I know that's, that was something that I've been emphasizing. Um, I know that he's been working hard at it. He got a ton of swing and miss on it. I can't even use like the tiebreaker of who's been on the show this year because Ryan Nelson and Tommy Henry have both already been on the show this yeah, year. Yeah, I know. So neither one of them we has like an them advantage both. there. Yeah. Uh, Steve Gilbert was also on the show today, and we talked to him about the fifth starter. Eventually you tried to force him to make a prediction on the air, which he didn't want to do. I think, you know, Bryce Jarvis, you know, is, is, is in camp and, and he's going to get a look and, and so will Blake Walston. Um, but I think, you know, probably Tommy Henry and Ryan Nelson came in as, as the front runners and Blake Coney had a nice outing yesterday. And again, that's going to be a good quote unquote problem to have because, you know, you never get through a season with just five starters. 
And last year, uh, the Diamondbacks found out the hard way late in the in the postseason that it, that you need as many starters as possible. So, you know, whichever starters don't make the uh, the rotation, if they if they end up in AAA, I think that gives them some good depth. Um, because, uh, like I said, every team's going to need that depth throughout the course of a long season. Yeah, Walston's supposed to get the start today against Oakland. He's never pitched a major league, like he's pitched spring training. He's never pitched a major league game, though, and he's only 22. So I would think he's probably, unless he's just amazing this spring, he's probably somebody that's going to be starting uh, at a lower level, and then you can call him up. But look, I mean, they're going to have five starters going into this, this <laughs> beginning of the season, but really, you could make a case, let's say it's let's say it's Tommy Henry, then Ryan Nelson and Slade Ciccone look good. I mean, you know you have a six and a seven whenever you need them, basically, if there's injuries. Yeah, and you're you're going to have injuries. We all know that. It's just something that happens every year, of course. But I, man, I, I am so excited that we're talking about the number five starter once again. Like, that is going to be, this is a big decision that's got to be made. Last year, it was like, <laughs> can Madison Bumgarner get it back? Remember, yes. Bumgarner was still on this team yes. last year in spring. You know, I, it, it just is a beautiful problem to have. Who's that number five starter going to be? You know, because right now you look at it with Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, right, and Eduardo Rodriguez and Brandon Fought. Man. You gotta fight! You gotta fight! For your right! Yes! Brandon Fought. You know, as your number four, it's just what we were hoping, that, that he would be able to come through last year and somehow, some way that... Mike Hazen would be able to go out there. The freaky Mike Hazen would be able to get a true freaky Mike Hazen. Yes, we would and dealing. You know, would he be able to get it? A number three. That song. That's the best part. Hazen knows the song. Yes, he does. He knows he's the freaky Mike Hazen. No, I mean you're you're so right though about about Fott. It's like they added two starters from you know the middle of last season. Let's say like last year. Before Fott got called up, and then even what he did, he got lit up a couple times and got sent back down. It was like, it was, you know, you moved on from Madison Bumgarner, which was really kind of the first indicator that the Diamondbacks were serious about winning last year because they moved on You're after right. four starts from him. Um, but, you know, there was a time where it was like, yeah, it's Zach Gallon, Merrill Kelly, and then kind of Ryan Nelson and whoever else is going to make starts. Now it's Gallon, it's Kelly, it's Eduardo Rodriguez, it's Brandon Fott, and now it's it's a competition for that fifth spot. Uh, spot like you said, which it really to me, this is the biggest difference between last year's team and this year's team is they have depth in the rotation, and that's why that'll show itself over the course of the season if they stay even relatively healthy. We need like an overreaction segment on the show because we could overreact right now to the fact that Diamondbacks have played three games and haven't hit a single home run. Okay, and you could just scream and that would yeah, be that, that would be men have not hit a single home run. You think they'll they will not hit one all year because um, of these three spring? Yeah, you know games? I I haven't even looked at it to tell you the truth. Ha, have they won a game? Yeah, two <laughs> yeah, and one. There we go. Almost two and one. No We're gonna go all the way. I'm gonna ask I mean, are you, you D-backs me? trivia in front of our guests I don't, tomorrow. You know the way I feel about this, Luke. Whatever happens in spring training stays in spring training. Mm, like Vegas, it's kind of like Vegas. It is. I, I don't. I honestly don't believe there's carryover from spring training into the 162 game season. That's just me. You know. You know what I recently discovered happens in Vegas that stays in Vegas. Yeah. Wolf rides around in a limo. That's what happens in Vegas that stays in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't picture you riding around in a limo in Arizona. Uh, all right, when we come back, it's story time. I hope you're ready for this. Oh, no. You were at the first ever NFL Combine. Yes. All right. You're first national us. combine. Okay. Well, that's. You're going to give us some. You're going to tell us how much it's changed from then till now. Next, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Bernsey. The NFL Combine starts this week. So, what players are we looking at the closest? We'll talk about it on the Burns and Gambo Show, and it starts. It's straight up 2 o'clock on Arizona Sports. The Combine is getting going. Everybody's there. Well, Marvin Harrison Jr. is kind of there. He's going to talk to teams, but he's not going to do any actual Combine events. And I don't even think he's there at this point. Um, Wolf, you were at the first ever National Combine, and it was like right down the street from here. Enlighten us. It was in Tempe, as a matter of fact. Which I can um, tell you with traffic is only five short hours away. <laughs> yeah, they, they would have regional combines. This was the first national combine where they literally would send everybody to this one um, town, this one city. And um, 1982, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was the first year they had a regional combine. I think it was in Indianapolis, if I'm not mistaken. But having said that, 1985, I believe, was the first national combine. And um, as a matter of fact, why don't you give me a beat right here now as I broadcast in my Dr. Dre's My Beats. The year was 1985, Basinonians, and I was in Tempe, Arizona at the first ever Combine. Oh, 23 running backs, 23 running backs is all they brought in. They brought in over 300 players for the Combine, the National Combine, but only 23 running backs. That was very interesting, including three fullbacks. Wow. I was one of those three fullbacks, if you can imagine. And suddenly there we are over in Tempe on the campus of ASU in a building basin audience. They brought us all into a room. We were in our socks. We were in our shorts. We were in our T-shirts, right? And they brought us into a room and you had a number on you. And suddenly they lined us up against a wall. It was a big rectangle. There were two doors, Basin Onions, the one that we had just come through and the one at the end of the room, this massive rectangle at the end of it. And what was weird about this door at the end of this room was that it was open, yet it was covered with a curtain. There was a curtain hanging in front of this door. And suddenly they told us, line up against that wall. You do what you're told, Basinonians. You line up, and they said, alphabetically, line up against that wall. So alphabetically, I was the last guy, Wolfley. And the guy in front of me, his name was Steve Sewell. Go ahead and Google Steve Sewell, okay? And you'll know where I'm going with this. They lined us up against the wall, and suddenly they said, okay, boys, Strip down to your jock. Jocks and socks. That's what they would call it. Jocks and socks. We're all looking at like, what? What? Yeah, strip down to your jock. Jocks and socks. That's what we did, Basinonians. We stripped down to nothing but socks and your jock. And interestingly enough, your jock had a number on it as well. Pinned to it. It was a different era. 
different era. Possibly okay? a different universe. Suddenly they lined us up, and the first player went through this curtain. At the end, they called him through. He went through, and everyone was wondering, like, what was go- what's going on in that other room? This guy came through the curtain again, and his eyes were big as saucers. Like, what? Everyone was saying, well, what's happening? There's like 300 people out there. There's 300 people out there. It's unbelievable. And then the next guy, and the next guy, and every guy that walked through and came back was like, oh, my goodness, that is so, that is unbelievable what's happening out there. Suddenly, here it comes. Steve Sewell goes through the curtain in front of me. And I could see as the curtain, as he went through the curtain, I could see, man, there's there's like 300 people in the room. Suddenly, Steve Sewell comes through and says, good, good luck. There it was, Basonies. I went through the curtain. There are 300 people jammed into this room. It looked like a weight room that they had probably cleared the weights out of just to get these people in there. And there was about a 50-foot walkway in front of you, a runway that you had to walk down, then turn at the end of that runway and walk back. <laughs> These were all NFL scouts and general so. managers and coaches sitting around this walkway. So I walked down there, ladies and gentlemen, I walked down and I did my little spin at the end of it. And I walked quickly back and through the curtain. Can you imagine just how mortified all of us were Especially me, because Steve Sewell was the most put together dude on the face of the planet. <laughs> Steve Sewell, 6'3, 222, 223 pounds, like 3% body fat. He was drafted in the first round. Steve Sewell went before me at the NFL Combine in 1985. Year was 1985, and I was at Ron Wolfley, fullback, West Virginia. At 5'11 and 230 pounds, he excelled not only as a hard-hitting runner, but also a pass catcher and blocker. Wolfley rushed for a total of 422 yards as a senior and scored 10 total touchdowns in his career. With his fearless special teams play, combined with the intensity he brings at the fullback position. There's no doubt Wolfley will have a major impact on an NFL team and maybe even have four Pro Bowls in the process. The only question is, will he be able to make fullbacks great again at the next level? NFL comp, Chiefs fullback, Anthony Sherman. Oh, oh you'll take that. I'll take that, yeah. Mel, that's awesome, man. <laughs> That was great. Was that the whole combine just walking? Those people knew you guys were all going to walk through, right? No, we had. What do you mean? The like people the, the out 300 there, people. Of it wasn't oh, yeah. just like you guys accidentally oh, yeah. walked into Gamage or something. I mean, think about this. You walked in nothing but a jock in socks down this runway, and then you had to spin and then walk back. Were there actual like the, events? The NFL. What? Like, did you run a 40 or was that the whole no, combine? No, that was. They wanted to see your, your body disposition. That was it? That was it, Luke. That's all they wanted to see is how you carried it. That was it. 
I mean, it was one of the most humiliating things I have ever done in my life. Can you imagine standing up with the other 22? You said there was 23 running backs and yeah. fullbacks. If you stood up and you're like, I won't be doing this, but I will. T- I'll do interviews, but that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I won't be participating. It was a different era, man. Oh, yeah. It really was. This was what you had to do to get drafted. If you wanted to be drafted higher, this is what you had to do. I have a hard time believing that I actually got drafted in the fourth round after walking down that <laughs> runway. Just saying. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't convince Steve Sewell to go by like Steve Zool or something so he could go last. Steve Sewell. Are you sure Just your last Google name it, my young crunks. Uh, here's you know my- what's interesting? His son, Sammy, is actually on the Cardinals coaching staff. <laughs> Sammy does Sewell. he know that story? I'm sure. Oh yeah, does. oh yeah. I've told him about <laughs> it. Unbelievable. Uh, here's Monty Austin Fort on uh, Newsmakers Week last week talking about what they look for from a prospect other than just the tape. A lot of other things that we use to paint the picture of the player. There's um, there's the combine workouts. There's the pro day workouts. There's the interview with the player when we get to sit down and, and talk to him, when our coaches get to sit down and talk to him. Um, there's the medical, which is a huge piece. And so really what we're trying to do is we're trying to fill in that pie with all these pieces, and we're probably two-thirds of the way there right now. We'll fill in most of that the next couple weeks in the combine and through the pro day process. And then really the month of April is then we take a step back and we look at it in totality and we have all these pieces and we try to uh, make the best decision that we can based on all the information that we collected and we try to get our you know our the pulse of what the player is and their makeup and and what they just how they're going to be if they're in our building every day Um, and you know that's not easy that's not easy to do and so you know we're going to try to paint that picture of what we think each player is and then at the end of the day make the best decision. I won't say a word, Monty. Let me sit in that room, please. Let me just no, sit No, he'll definitely room. say a word. Just let me sit Monty, there. I, I will not talk. say he'll, a word, Luke. Last week, you said this, and five seconds later, you're like, I'm going to tell them how to do this. <laughs> this is how you tackle. This. I would not. I would not say a word. It'd be one of the coolest things ever, based on audience, would it not, to be able to sit there and listen to a professional sports organization, a scouting department, actually break down players. I, oh, man. I, I would love that. I just like the fact that he's butter able to talk all about the uh, combine in 2024 and didn't have to use the phrase socks and jocks when he was breaking it down. All right, boys, socks and jocks. All right, we come back. Final hour of the show. The Suns, this is not a good time for a losing streak. So just how big was bouncing back against the Lakers yesterday? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.